Hey, 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 everyone. I hope everyone is good. Hope everyone is great. Right now, I'm hearing the birds chirping outside of the window. Last night, it rained. Um, and then into the morning, and I feel like the birds are like hallelujah right now. The sun has kind of opened up a little bit, so I see a little bit of sunshine, and they're just having a field day outside. It is a beautiful sound. But I think it's going to be quite annoying if it picks up in the audio. And I'm sorry. So I'll apologize in advance if you hear birds in the background. Um, this weekend, I I relaxed a little bit. Um, just, you know, did some things that I needed to do and got my life together, as they say. Um, getting things in line. One thing I've been really working on is just simplifying my life where I don't feel overwhelmed. I've gotten to that point many times in my personal journey and it just it ain't a good feeling at all. So I am prioritizing what is important and then everything else kind of falls in place. You know, step three, step four, step five, you know what it is. All right. So we on to a new episode and um, I told you, you know, this season we're going to dig on deep and I want to explore some things that all of us have felt all of us know very well and if you are not a um, person considered of color I still want you to listen in on this viewpoint and this is how we are viewed as black people a few years ago um I was doing some pictures for a friend um, and she's a she's white <laughs> and um, she's always been a sweetheart. And one of the things that I really appreciate about her is that she is open and receptive to listening to to everything. She's always been one who even um, in school, just inclusive. And when they say when people say I don't see color, they're not saying it visual fact. They're just saying Color isn't a factor to how I see you or how I show up or how I communicate with you or how I treat you. And she is one of those people that I know for a fact is just not one of those people. So anyway, I was doing some pictures for her youngest daughter and we were riding to the location together where she wanted the pictures to be taken. And her daughter was in the back, free spirit. She's hanging out the window. Uh, she's playing this song and the girl is just like in her own zone and um previous to that about two weeks ago um my friend she texted me and she said hey my grandparents are gonna be in town and they want to do pictures at a cotton field <laughs> and she said you're my main photographer and I just wanted to know if that is okay. If not, I totally understand. And she said, you know, my grandparents are 70 years old and I don't know if they kind of understand the dynamics. And she went on this long rant through text. And I knew that she was being sincere with what she was saying because it was almost like she was overcompensating and explaining why it is that she wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to be uncomfortable. And my reply was, I do appreciate, you know, you for giving me the heads up. 
Um, but I, I told her out of honesty, I've done pictures in the cotton field with black people who requested that they wanted to do pictures in the cotton field. And it was only based on the aesthetics that they wanted a cotton field picture. And during the time, I didn't feel any type of way. But after I got home and started editing the pictures, I was like, ooh, this may have been a moment of my ignorance and not understanding that historically this is a trigger for most people. Now, I personally wasn't in a cotton field pulling no cotton, but I know that my ancestors did. And so when we were having this conversation through text, I told her, I said, Again, I've done pictures with black people in the cotton field, and it wasn't until I started editing the pictures that I realized that I didn't feel so comfortable. And I said, I thank you so much for reaching out to me, but I don't feel comfortable with taking pictures in the cotton field. And she was like, oh, no problem. So that was that conversation through text. Her grandparents didn't take the pictures, but now we are two weeks after, and this is when we were sitting in the car. And we began to just talk. And she said, I, you know, we can be open. We can be concrete. And she just started asking me questions about black culture and just asking about things that may be offensive to black people. And she was doing it in a way in which she only wanted to be educated. Right. And one of the things that I, I, I really want to say, and I hope this is not missed by us as black people, we know who the ignorant folks are. And we also know who aren't the ignorant folks who really want to understand and be educated because they don't want to fall in the category of the ignorant white folks. And many times, a lot of us will let our emotions take way where we don't exercise listening and hearing and understanding what a white counterpart is saying or trying to understand from us. So through this conversation, she was asking me about work related things and how um, a young lady came to her and said, you know, just in conversation, but she was angry how she had more experience. Her resume was locked in. She had a lot of things that went into what she was going for and they ended up putting her in a lesser position and it bothered her and she was ranting to her and she said, you know, um, I didn't personally see her resume, but whoever hired her. She was set in that position, so I didn't know. And she said, you know, and this is her talking. She was like, you know, girl, she said, I went to pull up her resume um, and I saw all of her credentials and qualifications. And she was right. She was more equipped for the position in which she applied for instead of the one that they put her in. And so she started to ask me, have you ever experienced that? And I told her, I said, all the time, I said, it's been many um, jobs that I had went for and I was initially called, you know, for the job. I said, one thing that I recognized about and my mother told me this a long time ago. And again, this is not to knock anyone who doesn't have what they consider a common name. But my mother told me a long time ago, she said, I wanted to make sure that whatever name we gave you and your brother, that it was a name that could 
open up doors, right? And I, I understood what my mother was saying initially, but this is where it goes awry. On paper, a common name, Lisa, looks common. But when I walk through the door and they see me as a black woman, they decide immediately that um, maybe a Susie or an Elizabeth, you know, a Sarah or an Amy is better suited for the job, even if my resume is up to par. And even if my qualifications exceed those of my white counterparts. So I explained to her, I said, this has happened to me many times. And I even know of working, I was a manager at a department store and I was hired on. My manager was a black woman. My qualifications were up to par as far as managerial duties. My record showed for itself. There was a conversation that had been had and there was a manager, a white manager who was hired after me. She was much younger than me. Her starting pay was $2 more than I. And I mind you, she was a single woman, wasn't married, no kids. I was married with kids. She comes in less qualifications and she gets $2 higher than I do. And in the scheme of things, I felt like that was a slap in the face. Not that I felt like my black manager had to be um, in, you know, unison with me, but I was like, why not? You know, here we are. You are the overall manager of a huge department store and you have all of the um, the know how to set everything straight because she was the one who made the basis of what our wages was, was going to be. And she decided to let a younger, less qualified white woman make two dollars more than me. And then when it came time for, you know, us to get raises and appraisals and this, that and the other, she significantly got higher um, wage increase than I did. This is just a simple fact of living that we we see, we feel, and we know too well. Another thing in this conversation that we were talking about, and I think I don't I don't recall her bringing it up, but I think I brought it up, and I said, you know what I really hate is the fact that white people, because it's me and her now. You know, she 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 opened for whatever. She didn't take any offense. And I said, what really bothers me is that white people take offense to us as black women and feel that we are aggressive when we are standing our ground. And I was going through different situations where I had to just, you know, let a sucker know I ain't the one to play with. And I'm not a very aggressive person at all. But when you challenge me, I'm not going to bow down. And so there were many um, situations where I did have to stand up for myself. And I was told that I was being too aggressive because most of the time what they see from us is our calm side because we always have to play by the rules and the rules have to be played so well 
that there is no room for error and there is no room for them to say anything about us because y'all know if we do a little bit of something wrong it is like the biggest catastrophe we called in the office and we are seen as being this you know just being disrespectful and not following the rules and the protocols of our job while Sally and Sarah Jim and Dan can do whatever and it goes unnoticed so as I was explaining to her that black women have always in a workplace environment and even outside of it with white people having to watch themselves making sure that their attitudes don't come off um, too much or that if they disagree with something that it's only oh I disagree you know with the soft-spoken voice while Dan Sarah Jimmy Bob and Stacy can be aggressive and affirmative and this is how in which they get things done there is a horrible representation of what black people are and then we began to talk about men and I said you know let's be real the conversations that I have with my sons will not be congruent to the conversation that you have with your son I was so afraid when my sons began to drive because of everything that has been going on in the world and how these cops are pulling these kids over and just for minor things and then it creates a whole scenario of a small traffic stop into somebody's baby being dead so I was explaining to her as well we got to go through the whole list of stuff I have to tell my child, make sure you got your seatbelt on. Sit straight up in the seat. Don't lean back. If you're going to play the music, play it low. Don't do it loud. I have tinted windows on my car. I said, listen, roll that window down a little bit. You know, ride slow. Be aware if the cop is behind you. Don't start doing nothing funny. Don't make any, you know, sudden movements because they're watching. And I'm going through this whole thing and she's looking at me and she was like, you're right. I, I don't have to tell my son these things, you know, it's just safety first. And I said, this is the dynamic that we have in this this culture that we always have to forewarn our kids. But white kids are privileged in the way in which they are seen as the elite even with um the way in which our kids are looked at now two of my my sons have locks and um i of course i have locks as well and i remember saying to them um make sure you keep them well cared for manicured put them in a ponytail just don't have them all wild out you know because the first thing they think of is they're gonna you know put you with a rapper they don't think you're trying to be a rapper or they're just gonna associate the way in which you wear your hair as something bad not even a cultural statement or a statement of just black pride and black love 
and just pride in the diversity in which we can just show up, they're going to equate you as what they see on TV. And the majority of what white people see when it comes to black people is is negative. Let's just be real. So it was even those conversations. Uh uh-uh. uh. Twist your hair up. Put in a ponytail. If you can't get a retwist, put in a ponytail. Don't have it sticking out. While a white boy can, you know, let's be real, he can have the disheveled look. You know, he can walk around and he's still respected and he still gets that job and he's still admired by teachers. And, you know, it's it's a whole paradigm. More importantly, um, when we began to talk, because this was like a deep conversation and I was talking about even the way in which articulate, educated black men and women show up and they're called whitewashed. Right. They articulate their words. Um, They're very smart. They're shunned by us, to be honest, by black people, because black kids, you know, in an environment where it seems as if a lot of black kids think it's cool to not be into the books right and so if they see a smart black child who articulates their words and you know makes that congruent with being white they get picked on but then they're isolated by the white kids because they're like an abnormality so they don't even know how to treat them as well and black children cannot be smart they just can't I remember sharing this story to one of my friends and she was like, whoa, I remember, I think I was in the second or third grade. I'm not for sure. And I had this teacher and y'all, this teacher was the sweetest teacher ever. Um, Always just so good with her students. And when I think about this, um, it was her ignorance. But deep down, again, this was like. By this time, it's the 90s. So I don't think the way in which she said it, um, she thought about it. But we were in class and, you know, the teacher asking questions. And so I'm answering it. Um, It was something that we had to, I don't know, something we had to remember or recall. And so I was getting all the questions right. And um, she was like, good job. You know, she's all she was always one of those teachers good job whenever you do something good and so we were headed out to recess and she came up to me and she said Lisa you are so smart to be a little black girl and y'all like I'm little so I didn't I I didn't think nothing of it at all like I just I didn't and I remember going home and like for me that was like oh my teacher sees me not that I didn't think that she did but I just was happy that she was like, you're so smart, like not even equating for a black girl. So I went home and I told my mom and I was like, mom, my teacher said I'm so smart to be a black girl and I'm all giddy and happy. And she said, she said, what? And I was like, what? You know, like I totally missed it. And she was like, she said, you, you black, you smart to be a black girl. And I'm like, yeah, you know, y'all went right over my head, like right over my head. 
And my mother said, oh, no, I'm going to the school tomorrow. And I'm I'm standing there like, what did I just do? Like, again, I'm young. I'm not equating it. And the next day, my mama came to the school, y'all. And she went up to the office and she was like, I want to speak to, and I'm not going to say her name, the teacher's name. But she said, I want to talk to her. They, She wanted a conference right then and there. So when we went to recess, that's when we had the conference. And she pulled, um, my teacher pulled me in. My mom was there. The teacher was in there. And they had an administrator. And so my mom is like on edge. And she said, this is not the type of thing that you tell a student that they are smart to be a black boy or a black girl. And my mother kept emphasizing it. And I'm sitting in the chair like, oh my God, like this is my favorite teacher. Regardless of what color she is, she always gave to all of her students, regardless of what color it was. And my mother was just on, oh my God, on 10. And um, she made this lady cry, y'all. Like, The lady was in tears and she kept apologizing and she said, I really didn't mean it like that. I was just wanting to tell her like she's smart. And she said she you couldn't just tell her that she was smart. And I remember leaving that conversation and that parent teacher conference so mad at my mama because she showed her black ass like, but I get it because then I didn't understand And I was just so mad because I was like, now my teacher is going to be mad at me. She doted on all of her students. And it wasn't until I got a little bit older and I revisited that conversation with my mom. And I said, Mama, you remember when you showed out? And she was like, yeah, you don't say stuff like that. And I said, Mama, I didn't understand it. You know, when you went to that woman and you was just on 10 I said but now I understand and it was the pure ignorance of my teacher not understanding that you cannot correlating race with intelligence oh my gosh she was so wrong for that but I also knew regardless you know it's still not right but from everything that she had showed me as a teacher She didn't mean it, but it was her ignorance that was in front of her intelligence in the moment where she wasn't able to read the environment and understand that that was a total no-no. And I'm so thankful in that moment that I had my mother to stand up for me because she taught me that that was not okay. Those type of conversations are not okay. You know, so many times we are put into situations Even in our own ignorance, like as a child, me not knowing and thinking that because something sounded good, it's okay. Saying saying to a person, um, you're pretty to be a black woman or you're handsome to be a black man. Correlating, you know, what we, we look like to make us feel better. Like, what are the standards of black people in comparison to white people? It is the feeling that white people have this like eliteness over us and that we are other. That is why they call us minorities, right? They are the majority and we are the minorities. Also, in just moving away from, um, children black children white children white women black women onto our black men 
I refuse to watch the latest video of these black cops beating this young man to death. I don't want to see any more videos of our black men being killed. It's almost like we are being desensitized from death in the most brutal way. I remember um, my mother had, she would read um, African-American books in history and there was a lynching, a, ma- a black man hanging from the tree and it was not blurred out. The book was, it was like, you could see everything. And I remember, I still remember his face and I was so scared. I would not p- pick up that book, but it was the reality of seeing that what was going on then is still happening now. And the fact that it is on social media, on TV, desensitizes us from the brutal deaths of our men and our people. It's amazing to me that when I think about us as black people, how just how we are resilient people, how we are oh so talented, intelligent, athletic We are the ones, honestly, to be revered. And I know for people who may not be black, who may be listening in, it's it's almost like they get tired of hearing it. But facts are facts. And it is true. We come in so many shapes, shades. Our genetic makeup is just off the charts. You won't find another like us. But yet. We are the most feared, we are the most emulated, and we are the most duplicated. When it comes to black men, the fear in a black man is 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 so it's so grand. I remember my husband and I going out, we went to get something to eat and leaving the restaurant. My husband is Lord, he's so nice to everybody. And um down here in the south you know and i don't know it's different places too i know when we went to new york people ain't nice in new york as far as the the courtesy that we have down south but you know just as a general thing when you leaving out of somewhere when you're opening the door you hold the door open for someone to walk in or just to let them in just so that door is not closing in front of them because that's like a sign of disrespect and so we were leaving out and um this two white women were coming in and so my husband let me through and he held the door for the white women they were older white women and they just stood there and so my husband was like oh I'm holding the door for you and the white woman said we can hold the door and so my husband like he looked and he let the door go and we locked eyes me and my husband and shook our heads and of course you know we had a conversation in the car talking about how ignorant you know, these two white women were. Um, but it was almost like to the white woman in front who, who you know, made all the noise. Um, it was like she was wanting to stand up to a black man. But the second woman behind her, she acted like she was scared. And I'm thinking to myself, what is the fear in which you see in a black man? Is it the portrayal that the media gives on television that you feel triggers a fear in you? Because really and truly their um, abstinence away from us doesn't even give them detail into 
how we really are. It's like assuming that all black people act the same, just like assuming that all white people act the same. So to put all of us in a category and especially our black men in a category and assume that they are, you know, absent fathers or that they they're gangsters, you know, no home training, no morals, they're killers, murderers. It's beyond me. To be honest, I don't think that we will ever be in a world where we will be unified. We will always be seen as the other. And I want to go back to the duplication and the replication of black people in the black culture in which everyone seems to love but don't want to stand beside when things go awry. And I, you know, I hate to make this comparison, um, but let's speak facts. The Kardashian women have really um, maximized their monetary gain and their celebrity from the black culture, making sure, now not all, because I know it's one that, um, that doesn't have a child with a black man, but um, having their children with black men, getting their bodies done to emulate that of a black woman, their lips, you know, it's it's right there in our faces. And to be honest, it's quite disgusting that we naturally show up as ourselves, but we are told that we are too ugly that our lips are too big our noses are too big our booties and our breasts are too big but then we have white counterparts who go out and spend all of that money to look like us but then say to us that they don't like us and i'll 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 finish this up with this this final thing there is this like common debate that the reintroduction of racism the blatant racism and prejudices but i'll say this trump really made it okay for people who already had resistance to blacks hispanics asians to just be at the forefront of their ignorance and their racism he changed the dynamic to where it became more abrupt. Now, it used to be where racism and prejudices were hidden, but it's no longer. Um, I hate to see these Trump signs. It gives me the, the feeling that um, it spews racism, injustice, and prejudice. Anything tied to Trump, to me, is just, I don't know. I just... It feels a little weird. It's almost like seeing um, these flags that um, these southern flags that they they wave around. We already know what that is. We already know how that makes us feel. And they try to explain it in a way as, oh, we're honoring our ancestors who went to war. Okay, that's BS. And it's it's blatant disrespect. I want to leave you with this final thought. Because this, look, this went longer than I, I wanted it to go. But I want to leave you with this final thought. What I've learned is that we live in this world where we have to kind of, or, or 
are told to turn it down as black people, that we are only um, good enough to be athletes, which are rewarded these bonuses um, and this money, that we are only okay to be entertainers, singers, actors, anything beyond that point. If you got a little bit of money or you're doing a little bit of something that's seen as illegal or it's not valid or it's not correct, we have been um, taken through the mud. And I say this all of the time. People really don't show, want us to show up the way that we can. Because I feel like we got hell in our veins and we have hell in our vessels. And the moment that we show up like they did, they want to be the victims. I'm going to continue being who I am because, you know, walking in this earth and in this place, I refuse to let anyone, number one, demean me, disrespect me. And I don't care how they take it. But I also know that there are people from other races, nationalities, who understand how we are being treated. For a moment, when you are faced with someone just wanting to know the ins and outs of how we think and wanting to know the history, don't assume that everyone knows. Now, you can tell the ignorant ones from the non-ignorant ones, okay? We can utilize, you know, and understand how in which they are asking or want they're wanting to know. But there are actually genuine people who want to know the black experience and why it is that we are so resistant when it comes to certain things, certain things being said, how we're being treated. And that is your place and your time to educate them because a lot of them don't know. And it is the ignorance of their families that didn't allow them to learn more. So when you get the opportunity to talk to someone who really wants to know our history and wants to know why it is that we feel the way that we do so strongly about so many things, or there is a time in which you want to um, show them how we are being treated in comparison to other people, take that moment to do so. We have much to teach other people. We have much to teach by means of our historical culture. But I'll say this as well. In order for us as black people to be understood and want better, we have to start looking at ourselves and we have to start doing better as well. I'm going to leave it right there. All right. I'm glad that you joined. I'm glad that you are here. Again, if there is an episode that stuck out to you, you want to share it with a friend or a family member, please do so. Right now, we are at 7,000 downloads. So, yes, we have 7,000 people who are tapping in to season dialogue. And y'all, I'm excited. I can't wait till we hit 10K when I get that email that says, you have 10,000 people subscribing to the podcast. I can't wait. I just, when it gets there, I'm going to celebrate. I'm, I'm going to let you know. But we're, we're moving. We're moving. Again, any topic ideas, anything that you suggest, y'all hit me up in the email. Season dialogue at 
gmail.com. You can also follow me on TikTok, Lisa Marie. Um, you can follow me on IG personally, Lisa Marie. I got a whole bunch of dashes and stuff in my name because folks be trying to take my name. But it's also in the description. And um, Season Dialogue has an Instagram page as well. So I would love to see you there. I am so glad for the community. Y'all are my family. Like I said, we are here. We tapping in. Remember Mondays and Fridays. I am. You're going to see the notification. It's a new episode. So make sure that you tap in. I love, love, love you guys. And thank you for being my family and my community. All right. Peace. Peace.